Oh, you're sweating? The meat sweats are the meat sweats are upon you? Just general sickness, I think. Okay, welcome back for another Zengineering podcast. I'm Adam. Woo-hoo. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Brian. Oh, man, as we were starting this up, I had the thing again where I was like, oh, that'd be a good intro thing to talk about for a second. And then by the time we get it running, I completely forgot what it is. Well, I hope uh, everyone enjoyed that thought. That's uh, the best that we can oh, do. I know what it is. So the tool that we use to record uh, like High Fidelity while we're doing this remotely is a web service that records a version of the file locally. And it's one of those companies, it's called Zencaster, if you want to check it out. It's Zencaster with no E at the end. Zencaster. And I mistype it three or four times every single time that we need to do this. First, because I start writing Zen, and then I end up, the muscle memory in my fingers just does engineering. And then I go, no, no, and I have to back it up. <laughs> and then I have to go through the process of, of remembering that it's a, num- it's a name that makes sense but it's missing a vowel. <laughs> and so sometimes I'll leave out the A, then caster, right? Like that still fits the naming convention me. of drop a vowel. And it's not right because it's missing the E, but it's the second E. So it's not Zen caster, Z-N-K-A-S-T, I'm a mess. Oh. Anyway, we got it running. But it's funny that just the idea of like, storing something in your head and i have that slotted as here's a name but missing a vowel instead of just straight memorizing that the address is this <laughs> i don't know why and yeah, i'll just off offloaded that process down to those fingertips to a, offloaded it to some sort of um okay uh hit list hit list this week oh Thanks hit this out. episode doing another hit list so, Everybody loves a good hit list. Just random stuff off of our list of things that we update during the week. Great. What we got? What um, we got right now? What we're we uh, kicking off? The first off with? one we talked about was displays of Facebook affection. Oh. Um, a buddy of mine put up a a status update on Facebook that was sort of started off with a short little. Since it's apparent that displays of Facebook affection are now a thing. And then he talked about, he had a nice, you know, few lines about his wife on her birthday. (laughs) Um, I just thought it was a really interesting, like, idea of a cultural shift, right? Like, like, like people are aware of uh, PDA, right? (laughs) Public display of affection, and they feel however they may feel about it. And now there's this idea of a social media display of affection, Oh, so Which you're becomes, talking you're talking about like a compliment to your wife right. rather than like a thumbs up that can now be a heart. Oh yeah, I'm not even talking about just liking things. I'm so talking, talking about like, like the PDA equivalent. Right, right. Like smooching in public but on Facebook. I feel you. Those make that's what he I feel uncomfortable about. when I read those too. I um, like them though. I like the idea of it. Yeah, they always strike me as sweet, but they, then I do they also feel as, sort of uncomfortable. And they I don't feel exactly the same way about PDA, but I do feel sometimes other people's does make me uncomfortable. I PDA don't know why. doesn't usually feel to me, I don't usually have the response that they're doing that just to have other people see it, which is unfortunately my cynical response usually when I say, when I see 
PDA style comments on the internet. Like, oh, I love my sweetheart. She did the nicest thing for me today. And, and this is why it struck me because those are really it's a really nice topic, way to share. It right? is great. It's a great topic. Because what's the what's there should be a whole know, cast actually. What's the difference? Really? I mean, subtle differences for sure. Cuz I think that's what it is about the PDA that makes me uncomfortable. Like when it is very apparently like let's do this in front of people. Uh, you know, it's like I don't mind if you, it's like a hold hands, cuddle when you're at a concert kind of thing, you know, kisses, whatever. But it's like occasionally you see somebody where you're like, okay, you are aware <laughs> that you are drawing attention to yourself and you Your are eyes. enjoying it. It's an interesting thing, right? Because now I have this thing where when the moment arrives for a Facebook display of affection, I now have this feeling like, oh, it would be sweet to do this thing. And then I'm like, uh... Totally. Like, I feel like it's a thing I need to talk to my wife about. I think I like, think this, that's exactly enjoy the this? I think so? that's exactly okay. the right mode. Because my right. my my like personal rules that aren't necessarily written down but exist in my head in responses to things say positive comments are always welcome and they should always be encouraged, but I have the same response. I'll sometimes go to make a comment um about like something my girlfriend did or even sometimes friends, you know, you go to make like a really like sincere comments like, uh, this is going to feel and seem weird, which kind of goes back to like when you're younger and you're dating and you don't know how to act with your date around your friends and you like don't do things. And then you're like, I should have just like done. That. I should just like hugged her or kissed her or something, you know? Right. So I, I tend to think that we should be saying as many positive things as possible in as many ways as possible at all times. Do you think that's baggage that younger generations than ours don't, don't like? Do you think they don't carry that? Like, I wonder. Like, I should ask my youngest sister, or try to find an even younger touchstone and wonder if they even think about the fact that a thing on Facebook is public. I'm sure you do in some extent, right? Because people know that. Yeah. I'm sure there's dumb high school drama situations that play out the scene. I saw that update on Facebook. Now I'm pissed. Oh, I'm sure. Right? Big old fights. Big fights. But I wonder if that also calibrates the extent to which, you know, Facebook displays of affection are a thing. Because if it just becomes a, like a cultural, you know, norm, then this is funny because this kind of kicks back to, uh, I don't know if, I, if it's come up on the podcast, but something that frequently comes up when with my friends with kids, they... There's an ongoing conversation about what you should do with your baby in social media, right? Because you're kind of like, <laughs> you're you're starting to, this is the beginning of their existence in this medium that will yeah. forever catalog aspects of their life, right? They should and so definitely I definitely be on Facebook. So I know people <laughs> who have a pretty strict policy of not really putting up baby pictures or... I, I know that too, yeah. And then I know, and then I also know people who have given the baby their own account and completely the opposite, (laughs) like so much information that I'm like, sorry, I really got to unfollow you because it's just like, I I don't, you know, I would much rather my friends not stop posting things about themselves and post all their baby stuff over on a baby channel. Right. Yeah. Uh, Because I'm actually bummed when I stop receiving like normal stuff from people because they've had it like they're, they're their personality before the child, which is just a transition, yeah. but well, um, and so the thing that I always say to them is it's, it, it sounds like just playing devil for that devil's advocate or something, but I really do think it's a, a legitimate response, which is if the norm becomes that everyone's 
family shared baby pictures when they were younger, then now your kid is going to be the weirdo with no baby pictures. And they're yeah. going to be going, you don't have baby pictures. <laughs> like, you're going to get made fun of for something, right? That's just part of life. But also, like, because kids are kids and they're shitty. But, like, it's just funny to try to think of the other side of that where it's like, if the cultural norm is everyone has baby pictures, it's kind of like it's the if everyone has dick pics question, right? Yeah. If everyone has baby pictures, because at some moderation, there were pictures of you as a child on Facebook. Your baby and, pictures inevitably be inevitably contain some dick pics, too. Doesn't have it is going to be the odd one. Yeah. And it's funny how from generation to generation, like technology results at an, at an, at an accelerating rate for our inability to conceive of, generally speaking, using the data at hand, our inability to conceive of what the next thing is, seems to be a constant. We're really bad at predicting how yeah. shit's going to be. Really bad. <laughs> we don't have a clue what's going to happen. And so I try to keep that in mind when I assess things like a Facebook display of affection. You know, it's like, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, you just want everybody to see that. But on the other hand, it's like you said a very nice thing. Yeah. there's it's a, It feels like an etiquette question. Like there's some threshold that we'll all agree on eventually <laughs> where it's like, yeah, that person is gross and the other person isn't. But <laughs> I feel like no it's way. for stand-up comedians to figure out, you know, while we process this as a culture. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, anytime you're doing anything that's different than the social norm, the further away you get from it, the harsher the reaction is going to be from people. So if making really explicit, kind, heartfelt comments about an individual, uh, that's really specific and, and different, and no one else is doing them right there, so it's always going to throw you off and make you feel uncomfortable, unless everyone's doing that constantly. Imagine if every person all day, all they posted on social media was like really kind, sweet, warm, heartwarming things. Man, it would get boring because there isn't other stuff, but damn, it'd be really <laughs> pleasant. It'd be really nice to read through. It would certainly be more polite. It would be Comic-Con. There should be more public displays of of thank yous and and gratitude and and caring and hey I'm I thinking agree. about I you. I feel like there's a whole separate conversation and why we have that value structure that we do and it has to do with competition. In fact, this and, would be a great plug and, for the show. We're going to do right after this podcast. We're going to both go post something really heartfelt and cheesy on each other's Facebook profiles and plug our 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 podcast plug our podcast <laughs> oh man at the end we're gonna get like a great conversation just, just going the and then prospect plug our podcast. made me feel uncomfortable <laughs> unclean like the same way that it does when you ask for like recommendations on linkedin make me feel the same way because it's because it, it's like resume fodder you know the paragraph on my resume is all bullshit here's what i did at this company like you you know no one because on the, the resume is going to be like i do well enough to not get fired at these three tasks I excel at these things. They aren't typically the things I'm asked to do. These yeah, other things so, I fake my way through. And then whenever possible, <laughs> I sneak somewhere where no one can see me and I read articles on my phone. Uh, okay, Does that so, sum up everyone's LinkedIn account? Because it should. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, which is a good, I think, a good segue into the next thing that we um, had on the list, which is a bit deeper than the Facebook display of affection. Although I feel like we went to a pretty deep place with that. That's a pretty, pretty deep engineering topic. place. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, engineer that zen, zen, zen zenify it. that end engine in in oh a zen powered engine that's a neat science fiction concept 
that is that's how that's how like a car that runs on good vibes (laughs) wait that's actually how the drive works in uh wait no it doesn't never mind continue continue on i wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of that sounds like a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that's where i was going i they're the improbability drive i forget how it works calculate something i don't know whatever um continue so i was thinking about like having worked in the entertainment industry for a while and then also working not, in it right now. Um, and then having, yeah, right. Or I guess I suppose for some we're producing entertainment. Extreme entertainment, they call it. Um, if you're in like TV or movies or something, it's really super cyclical. And then I was also just in school, which is also cyclical. You know, Very you have cyclical. like beginning of the semester, you figure out how this class is going to be, you figure out what you have to do to do well in the class, then you have finals, <laughs> then you start the whole thing again, right? <laughs> yep. Um, and how tight it is for semesters felt very unpleasant to me, but the year long cycle in TV or movies are, I never found to be uh, obnoxious. And so that's resulted in some conversations with people around me in terms of this idea of like it, it like, so basically someone was saying to me, so is that just manufactured by the TV, you know, companies or by the film companies? And I was like, well, to an extent, because I think the process has to be what it is. Like you develop something, then you produce something, then you market something. And with movies, those are such big undertakings that they take months and months. And so mm-hmm. you slate up when you're going to do those at what time for which projects throughout a year. But as someone who works on a single project, you have these phases. And those phases are actually materially informed by the seasons of the earth because kids are out of school in the summer people are more apt to go to a nice cool theater and watch a movie in the spring and the summer so so the big movies come out spring and summer and then the fall is spent figuring out what your movies are going to be and then the winter is spent shooting them so you can get them out for the next spring and the summer and sometimes that cycle is different if it's going to take two three years to produce a movie and you just extend basically those phases by how, how big the project is Mm -hmm. Um, but I wonder if that sort of cyclical phase based, like structure for work output is something that is inherently more satisfying than say just going to work and doing the same sort of thing every day, except for the couple weeks you have off here and there for vacation. Probably. Which is the sense I, I get of a lot of people's jobs, right? And I don't really know because, like, you worked at Titleist, right, doing mechanical engineering. And so that's a very different space than what I've ever been involved in. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't think of any business that I've ever been involved with or research that didn't have some sort of cyclic processes going on, whether it was, like, inventory or production or sales or marketing or whatever i'm sure there are things that aren't really cyclical but it seems to be a pretty common pattern with humans and also it seems on a on a less like business side sense it seems like people resist pat resist like falling into routines until we hammer that out of people like kids don't want to be in routines teenagers despise them as adults i don't want to i don't like going to the same thing every day and doing the same thing every day it gets really fucking boring and you hate it some of it is satisfying some of it's some of it's satisfying and productive but right having big shifts and changes and ways to reset i think i talk about this all the time um with a lot of people actually uh the idea of 
breaking up your life into significant events. Like it's really important to have, well, the one I was talking about most recently is moving. I've lived in like eight different locations in the last 12 years, maybe. And it splits up those 12 years really, uh, really clearly in my head. And I had these very significant chunks of time at different places. If I'd lived in the same place, I'm not sure I would have as many memories, even if I did the same thing. Cause there's like these very significant shifts in my, uh, in like the universe around me. And it helps me break up my life into like significant pieces. It helps me remember more. It helps me set like anchors that I can reference. I think it's important. It's really important to have big, right. big changes. Well, and just, I mean, the big changes like that aside, like, I, so like, I guess kind of what I wonder is like, are there, are there other places in life where you could more starkly implement? Well, so like, I think the reason that, that both the, a system that is fairly standardized, I guess, like feel satisfying and the shift to a new system or whatever you want to call it. Right. And by mm -hmm. system, I mean like you just moved to a new apartment, right? You got to get your groceries at a different place. You need to like, you're far enough away from where you used to live that you can't just be like, well, I'm going to do everything in my life the way I used to do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you still probably get most of your stuff from Amazon, right? But, like, now you're living in a city where God, you can walk so. to markets and stuff, right? Which is going to completely change stuff versus where you, like, how it used to be. So I wonder about, like, how, so, I mean, two things. The extent to which that is probably a genetic phenomenon. Like, if you think about, we either, like, humans got to the 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 sort of place of expansion where we are in terms of taking over the planet by mastering you know, hunting and then domestication of animals and then agriculture. Mm -hmm. And all of those are by nature cyclical, like on the cycle of life. Babies pop out in the spring. You keep them alive through the summer. Like you fatten them up through the summer. Then you keep them alive through the winter. <laughs> and then, you know, you keep like, right. It's, it's inherently sort of cyclical unless you're a place yeah. in a place that's not informed by the seasons. And then agriculture even more so because that's yeah, – seasons are, you know, an environment control what grows. Right. So it completely yep. makes sense that it would be like built into our genes that having a cycle somewhere around a year where like every four months what you're working on changes might be really satisfying for people. Could be. Could be very satisfying. I think, you're, I think you see that at a lot of uh, big – companies and maybe more so these days maybe i'm just more aware of it they cycle new people through stuff very quickly you go into a department to work there for a while you move somewhere else i think that's something we're becoming aware of with humans too like diversity allows for greater growth you know greater experience greater knowledge uh so i think i think it's great change shit up i think it's really important it's a tenant of my existence i try to change stuff up a lot yeah i do the same or like this, and this is where I, I think it ties back to previous podcasts, which makes me feel dope because I'm like, call back. So um, many. There's so this many This is now. the relevance of that hope machine that Rosolio talked about on the sports podcast. Like, mm. I think part of the reason people like sports so much is because in a life where things may not be cyclical in that way, there is a mechanism that they care a lot about in their life the functions on that cycle. There are phases. It's like regular season. It's preseason, regular season, playoffs, championship, reset, do the whole thing the next year. Yeah. So my thing is like, if that's the kind of thing that fires you up and you're otherwise 
not happy with things in your life, like try to find ways to find that cycle and stuff where you can like triathlon season is real satisfying for me in that regard. Cause there's time when there aren't really races. Then there's time where you're getting ready for the races. Then there's time where there's a couple races and then you go back to, okay, how do I just sort of enjoy the sport, you know, out of season donuts. Um, donuts are also cyclical. Mm-hmm. Cyclical, cyclical. So that's my fitness plan: is roll a donut in front of yourself. Ooh, and uh, this is actually a perfect segue into the next thing on the list. Killed it. Oh, completely not orchestrated, which is why I don't think I should go into radio. Uh, the next thing on the list is self-control. <laughs> so what we were talking about was, uh, I mean, at least in this context, it's. The question of what do you do once you catch that donut? <laughs> but the well, real we, conversation started because you ate too many burritos right before this, and you've been like moaning and holding your belly since we I've started been trying podcasting. Not to moan. I, I was <laughs> I was burping a lot when we started, and now I've been yawning a lot. <laughs> so the fate I'm going through a cyclical experience over here. And I think we talked about it on the last podcast in the ambient intelligence bit a little bit, right? But it's like (laughs) we were saying your phone should have told you not to eat that second burrito. But the idea of if that phone is, is, is it alleviating you, alleviating some need to have a degree of self-control if you just go, well, when my phone tells me not to eat something, I don't eat it. Yeah. And that's easy. Is that easier to you or would that feel soulless? Well, your reference was you just, well, this is a way to think through it too. Your reference was if I don't want to eat junk food, I just don't buy it. And then I don't have to have self-control. I just don't have it in the house to eat it. Right. And no, that definitely doesn't make me feel soulless. It frees up energy for me to go do something productive rather than fight this this, this urge to eat a donut, which (laughs) is really like there's no real reason I need to fight this urge to eat a donut. I just shouldn't have a fucking donut around so I can do something else instead of wasting like five five energy points on uh, I'm not going to eat this donut, but I'm going to think about it some. So recently they've, uh, there's a famous study where that people refer to all the time and like, uh, that stands for the proof of the claim that willpower is finite. Mm -hmm. Um, and they just did some kind of like meta analysis of all the studies. And basically that meta analysis showed that, yeah, they've never really been able to reproduce that. It's not necessarily credible. We don't have any scientific support for or against the idea that willpower is finite. Super um, unhelpful conclusion. Thanks, science. Super unhelpful conclusion, except that maybe we don't know if there's anything to back that up. But I feel that phenomenon in my life. Yeah, um, I, I do as well. There are lots of situations where you fight something and fight something eventually give in or stuff's just on your mind. It's way harder um, to not eat two burritos that you know will be delicious and be so satisfying when you're tired. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Worn out. It's way harder. Like I have work I really want to do today and really need to do. And I'm probably not going to because I'm full of burrito and have spent uh, the afternoon doing a podcast, which is taxing my brain. I'm going to be like, fuck it. I'm not going to do work. I'm going to go sit on my ass. So then in the course of the self-control <laughs> conversation, I think at one point I said something to the effect of self-control is hard. And I feel like that sums up the American condition right now. <laughs> um, and I don't know if it's entirely fair, but it does lead me to like, like I want to explore. So 
is it a level of fatigue because you you're just tired you didn't sleep well or your job is trying and so and there's a mcdonald's on the way like what's the version of you know the that what you're talking about right like even if it's just the self-control to not have the food in your house right so that you then are never confronted with i want to eat this sloppy cheeseburger Mm -hmm. every night because it's easy and delicious Mm -hmm. like so like what where where's the gap in that in terms of finding health for people where we have this obesity epidemic in i think the gap is removing the exactly what we started with remove the temptation of the thing you don't want doesn't mean that people shouldn't be allowed to get cheeseburgers if they want that's not the right attitude either um, it's not that you should feel bad for eating a cheeseburger or a donut or whatever. It's just that it, we should make, we should facilitate an environment where it's very easy to remove that stuff from you. It'd be nice for a lot of people if there were not a McDonald's every six blocks where they live. That sucks. You there's should so have so much to, money in that. Right. Existing. There's so much money in that. So it's never um, going to go away. Right. So we sort of try to put pressure on them to have healthier options, but you didn't go there for the healthier option. They so, have salads now. I saw on a billboard the yeah, other day. I wonder how popular they actually are, though. I wonder. I tend how, to feel like the salads just have, are just placating the masses, and no one's actually eating them. Right, and they probably also just have like a a Big Mac mixed in. But that might up be a cynical. In. Yeah, to, yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. Is like that's Taco Bell's like taco salad is worse than a burrito. You should just have the grilled stuffed burrito. They're the same. Well, I want to go. I want to go somewhere slightly different <laughs> with this because I think it's a really interesting topic that could be a full cast, but it might help us tease out the question that you just the answer to the question you just asked. Uh, I don't think self control is a very good name for that exercise because if it were just self control, then the self that's saying I don't want to eat a cheeseburger wouldn't have any problem. There's clearly someone else in there who's also saying, no, no, but I want a cheeseburger. Stop telling me not to have a cheeseburger. I'm going to go get it. And then you walk in the kitchen, you're like, "Mm, I shouldn't eat the cheeseburger. But then you're like, "Mm, I should eat the cheeseburger. That's clearly not one person unless you're... Right. There are a couple of... uh, My my parents are actually certified in a modality of psychotherapy that is about uh, conceiving of your consciousness in that way, Mm -hmm. which is like there's this person and that person. And so like, it's just the way to conceptualize, you know, I I think, I think both you and I think of them as data input. It's like, (laughs) you've got this one data center feeding you a signal that says, don't eat that. You'll be sick. And you have this other data center feeding you a signal that goes, but it's so delicious. And you kind of have to be mindful. Like we're always talking about and aware of them and pick the one that will make you. Who does the picking happiest, right? Yeah. Right. That's the weird data centers. That's, that's, uh, you know, and like there are all kinds of weird philosophical names for the entity that does the picking. <laughs> uh, this is where we get into the territory that's the full, you know, cast, which we talked about doing one that's all philosophies, which I, yeah, I this would be, you know, this is self-control. I got a degree really in that one. shit. I'm game. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, but like, but more so on the, on the data input idea, right? Like that idea of self-control, you're right, is not it's not granular enough to be a functional measurement of anything, right? Like what you're talking about when you say self-control in the context that we were was the ability to analyze the data and make a decision that's more based on a different metric of tracking, right? And I think it usually tends to be a metric that's more about prolonged, sustained enjoyment 
over mm. like the instantaneous mouth pleasure, right? Right. And a way of conceptualizing that is to say there's a person in your head that says, I want that burger. And there's a person in your head who says, but you really shouldn't eat it because you're going to be sick. And mindfulness and wisdom and, and like peace and things that a lot of Eastern religions talk about, I think are about teaching yourself to listen to the, the not instantly pleasurable yeah. data source, which is, is hard. <laughs> really hard instantaneous mouth pleasure is really rewarding when it happens i'm, I'm it? picturing a whole line of of clothing of t-shirts that have like really delicious food stuffs on them that have that slogan it just says like a bag of kettle chips and it's it. an instantaneous <laughs> mouth pleasure and then like a happy and burrito instantaneous mouth pleasure and then like an ice cream cone uh, that's dripping all over a hand instantaneous mouth pleasure we'll call it self-control clothing yep um, I feel like that's as good a place as any to get out of here. It usually it's a perfect is. segue into telling people they should go to stuff.zengineeringpodcast.com oh. to buy that t-shirt. Satisfy your instantaneous mouth gonna, pleasure. Dude, I'm done with school. I'm, I got time. For, I'm, I am officially unemployed. I'm going to design oh, some t-shirts officially. and actually put them up there finally. Nice. We'll start Satisfy with that one, which you should write down because I'm going to forget it by the time I finish the things I got to do to instantaneous clean up this production pleasure. stuff. Um, isn't there a song that was on the GoDaddy soundtrack? That not not GoDaddy, the <laughs> Big Daddy soundtrack. That's where I know it from, but I'm sure it's you know just a band's song. It's called Instant Pleasure. Well, we've added a word and changed its meaning dramatically. Outstanding. Um. So go there, check out our stuff. Uh, you can find us on the socials at Zengineering Pod, which uh, now th- those are kind of starting to take shape in in a, an interesting way. I think um, we don't have time really for vast interaction on those things. I talk to people on Twitter because it's easy, but really it's just a good channel to make sure you don't miss a podcast. And I run anything interesting that I run into that I'm reading during the week through that channel. So most things that show up on the hit list, uh, I have put out through that feed at some point. So you could, you could, if you ever are Pretty looking good. for a link that I talked about, you can probably find it in one of those feeds if you want to find it instantly. Because I don't have time to do show notes yet. Instantaneous eye pleasure? Someday. That's Instantaneous eye pleasure. This can go a lot of places. But I'm not going to let it because the timer <laughs> says we're done. Oh no, the time is up. Thanks for out, everybody. Thanks uh, for coming by. It was nice to have you. I'm Brian. Have a have a fantastic sunny morning. Or afternoon, <laughs> or a mildly moonlit evening. Afternoon, <laughs> evening, and good night. <laughs> uh.